0: Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's fizz radio.
1: We are less than one week away until Syracuse football returns. That's right, Syracuse and western Michigan on Friday in Kalamazoo. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We've got you until 10 o'clock. Make sure to follow us online at orangefizz.net, at orangefizz on Twitter and SoundCloud, and at Orange Fizz on Apple Podcasts. You can re-listen to this show and all of our other content. Jonathan Hoppy with Tim Leonard today. Tim, let's get right into it. Busy practice week. Coach Baber said after one of the practices that he's decided on his quarterback, but's not gonna name who it is. Do you think you have an idea if it's Tommy DeVito or Eric uh, Dungey? Yeah.
0: I, I think we all know it's Eric Dungey. He's uh he's stirring the pot, as we like to say. And I don't know, I, I found it just kind of weird because they straight up asked him, Is it Eric? And he said, I'm not going to, you know, he skated around it in some form or manner. And he's, then they asked, are both of them going to play week one? And he said, well, it depends on the score. I guess that's optimistic. Maybe Tommy DeVito comes in or your backup, which I'm assuming, and I think we're all assuming, is Tommy DeVito comes in once you're up big on Western Michigan. But we will talk about that a little bit. I think it's going to be a pretty close game.
1: I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, I think Syracuse has got its hands full with that Western Michigan team. But going back to what Baber said, You know, that makes me wonder, why would you say something like that? Right. Because usually you try to limit the controversy. Let's make something clear. There is no controversy. It gave the media a big
0: story for a week. It did, and we're
1: leading with it on our show. Yeah. And so that's what speaks is that when you say stuff like that, people like you and I will talk about it, frankly, because it's interesting. When you get into the week before a game, not much that Baber says is going to be that interesting but
0: when he came out with that one, people paid attention. I guess it's gamesmanship. I mean, you could go with that angle. Maybe he's trying to, you know, Tim Lester, the head coach at Western Michigan, not trying to give him any clues. But I think the whole country knows. I mean, Eric Dungy, when he was on the field last year, was one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC. And he put up numbers game in and game out. We know his health is the main concern. And the good news is if he does go down with another injury, like he has in his first three seasons at Syracuse, We have a better backup quarterback in Tommy DeVito, but they're not going to give him the nod over a guy who's been as consistently good when he's on the field as Eric Dungey has been. I mean, there's no conversation. You can't bench Dungey.
1: Just two days ago, Eric Dungey was named to the Senior Bowl watch list. Right. Right? I mean, he's on all these things. He's traveling to Charlotte for ACC kickoff back in July. It's Eric Dungy's team and yeah. everyone knows that. I like that point though. You could see that Tim Lester maybe might stay up a little bit later now prepping for Tommy DeVito. I, I, I
0: mean, is there I don't think there's any track record in Dino's past to go with two quarterbacks. He's always had a good quarterback. He's even said part of the reason why I came to Syracuse is because he knew that he had Eric Dungy as the incumbent quarterback at the time. Tommy DeVito, I don't maybe he's flirting out the idea to Tim Lester that he's going to play two quarterbacks or rotate in and out. I, for one, just never have agreed with that philosophy.
1: You know, what I think he might be doing is just sort of making Tommy DeVito feel good. I don't know if Tommy pays attention to this kind of thing, but if you think about it, we talk about it all the time, Eric Dungy is prone to get hurt, has not finished the past two seasons, so many believe that Tommy DeVito will play important snaps at some point this season. The track record says that. So if you're DeVito, you feel good that you know your coach is maybe even talking about this and, and mentioning how good you are and, and how competitive it is because he went on to add these two are feeding off of each other. That's yeah. what competition's all about, so really it can only be a good thing for Syracuse. Right.
0: I mean, competition's good. That's another thing is maybe he's motivating Eric Dungy in the process because if you're Eric Dungy and you hear that, and of course he heard it because it was all over the media and all over Syracuse, he might be no. listening right now. Right. Who knows. But if if you're Eric Dungey and you hear that, you're a little motivated, you might be a little angry cuz you feel like it's your job and and you want your name mentioned and you think it's clear at this point. So maybe he's motivated him it's or motivating him in the process, but it seems like from what we've heard about Eric Dungey's summer and everything, he's
1: putting in the work regardless. Thanks for joining us this Saturday morning. We've got a lot to get to. We're going to give our predictions for the Syracuse football season, talk about that Western Michigan game, and even talk about some of the freshmen you might be seeing on the field a lot this season. Right now, just sort of breaking things down of what's gone on in the past couple of weeks and how Syracuse is looking going into that Western Michigan game. The thing that excites me is that Eric Dungy is back. He's healthy. It seems like he's really locked in and ready to go for his senior season, as they say.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I for one, think I've been on record in saying he's one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC. I think you're a little, little behind me in that regard. Just maybe. a little bit. But I yeah. will
1: say, those of you that listen to the show regularly know that Tim Leonard and Tyler Aki have sort of <laughs> been on that train for a long time. In fact, Tyler Aki was on it early last
0: year yeah and he's always been on it
1: he has been and you can catch him here frequently and hear all about it I can tell you that very frequently (laughs) but you know what it's something that says when you look at the ACC quarterbacks Ryan Finley was the preseason pick but Dungy
0: is right in that conversation Josh Jackson I mean we could name the quarterbacks the fact of the matter is the ACC has a lot of quarterbacks that are in the middle tier they don't really have any bad quarterbacks per se they just have a lot of like 20 to 30 range if you are ranking quarterbacks in the country and I think Eric Dungy kind of falls in that mix I know we've touched on this show and other podcasts related to Orange Fizz about his ranking on various websites and some have him higher than others but regardless if you look at the numbers 23 touchdowns last year in nine regular season games he's a dual threat guy and the more we talk about him, the more it just sounds crazy to even think that Dino Babers even mentioned something and I know it's all just a smokescreen or just Dino stirring the pot. It's kind of like the Antoine Cordy thing, moving him to wide receiver in the spring depth chart. I mean, did you think there was really anything to that, or is that just another Dino stir-the-pot move?
1: Well, I think he was looking for a spot for him. I really yeah. do. You know, I think this is, that was a little more of, all right, we've got this freak athlete. Where can we put him? But I think everyone knew that Cordy wasn't going to end up on offense. Right. And you know what? It's funny that he ends up as the nickel now on the defense. They finally figured out what that spot was for him. We'll see what he can do, but speaking of that move to the offensive side, it was funny that he said, frankly, he didn't have enough time to figure out the playbook. I think that speaks to Babers and this whole system. I mean, it's complex, but they have a guy in Dungy that can run it very well.
0: Yeah, and they're going to be even faster, you'd think, in year three. I mean, that's they got a little bit faster in year two. I wouldn't say they made a drastic improvement speed-wise, but in terms of the type of plays, it's not like he's got a ton of variety of plays or a ton of different plays. He's got a good amount of trick plays that he you know, weaves in there, and we've seen that at, at some opportune times, but... It's really just the speed more than anything that makes it tough for a guy like Tim Lester to game plan or the Western Michigan defensive coordinator to game plan because when you're going at that speed, you don't know what's coming next. And I think that's what we've seen with the Syracuse offense. They put up points in the past two years under Dino Babers. It's just, can they have that defensive support when they need it?
1: And a lot of talk this week about Tim Lester, who coached at Syracuse with Scott Schaefer, someone who knows Eric Dungy. You know, they know right. what he can do but they don't know what he's like with Dino Babers as the coach.
0: Yeah, you can't game plan for that. I mean, there's no way. And I know that's going to be brought up a lot is the Tim Wester connection and how much of that is an advantage. I personally don't see it as too much of a factor. A, he's an offensive guy. So, I mean, I guess if you're looking for an advantage, it's on the offensive side of the ball for Western Michigan. He's not really going to be employing too many tactics defensively or have much of a say defensively, you would have to imagine. and. Maybe a little bit, but mostly that's the defensive coordinator, you would think. And, and you really just can't game plan for it because the speed is unlike anything Western Michigan has seen. And
1: one thing I want to watch this year with Eric, Dun- Eric dungie how does he handle the runs? Is he going to stay aggressive? Because that's what makes him so special. Yep. And you know what? As a Panthers fan, it's sort of like Cam Newton. You know, You want Cam Newton to run because, frankly, that's what he's best at. He's mm-hmm. not best in the pocket. Now, Dungy, I think, is maybe a more accurate passer than Cam Newton. If, you know, you want to get into that, it's kind of like apples to oranges (laughs) at this point. But I think that Dungy has to run like that and be aggressive because Babers has said, you know, we want him to be smart, but we also want him to be the guy that he is, that aggressive piece. So that's kind of a double-edged sword.
0: So you just want him to be fearless, be like he's played the last two years because— it's easy to say that and I hear the logic, but at the same time, you also I mean, I don't want him doing cartwheels and flips and we've seen all the highlights. He's he's been out there doing some crazy stuff running wise where you running know Running people over. You'd like to see him tuck it under and make a slide every once in a That's while. That's
1: who Eric Dungey is though. And yeah. you know the biggest thing I've learned from watching football is you don't want to take away what somebody's good at. So to me, if you take away that side of Eric Dungey he's not as good of a player as we think he is. You take away one of his best skill sets. I mean, he can sit in the pocket fine, but you know what? He's not a guy that's going to sit back there and carve up defenses. He's an athletic no, quarterback I... who can go around, and it's tough, but I think yeah. you got to let him be.
0: I wouldn't say I want him to run less. I just want him to be more careful when he is running in the open field. If there's a sideline nearby... Go for the sideline. Don't try and reach for an extra yard unless, you know, it's a third down situation or something like that. I think he just does a little bit too much of running into people or trying to get carried away when he's in the open field because that's how he operates and that's how his mind is and he's a fearless guy and that's what makes him tick and what makes him really good. But at the same time, you can still run and be a little bit smarter and maybe, maybe sacrifice a yard or two here and there.
1: You certainly can, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Dungy this year because everyone wants to know, can he finish the season? Now, obviously, that's nothing that you can predict if that's going to happen. We certainly hope he does. Yeah. As a senior quarterback, he's been great for the program, the community. He's well-liked. Everyone wants to see this guy finish the year healthy.
0: Well, you got to think, with the offensive line being a little bit better, that should help. I mean, it's tough to really really investigate or talk about that too much because it's it's health it's injuries those are just stuff that happen, and you can't really plan or predict that but regardless there's no question he's the starting quarterback come week one
1: well I think we answered that yeah. question <laughs> and before we hit our first break we talk about this a lot off the air you think that the offensive line is a big part of what makes a running game go or not go like yes. it hasn't in the past two years now when you talk about Dungy what could help him out is if Dante Strickland and Mo Neil are more successful because that means that Dungy's not the vocal point of the running game. Yeah. So do you see that sort of taking place this year with a much improved offensive line?
0: Yeah, I mean, we talk about this. I don't think Dante Strickland's a great ACC back by any means, but it's very offensive line dependent on his performance week in and week out. You can just see when he goes against a team like a Clemson, the offensive line might get hurt and obviously last year Clemson went well for Syracuse and he had a great game against Clemson, but those big time programs, the offensive line has gotten exposed in the past and then it's all about lanes and Dante Strickland is not a home run hitter per se like Neal. He's not going to break out a 20, 30 yard gain and that's fine because you need a mix of both in your backfield and I think that's why it's nice to have Neal, because you can throw a screen pass to him and get him in the open field and... They've often, or they've talked about putting him at wide receiver. We know he's now the running back. But with Dante Strickland, he's more of that get you three, four yards. You'd like to see him be a little more efficient, a little more effective maybe in terms of getting those third and twos, third and threes. But I think a lot of those short yard situations comes back to the offensive line.
1: That's what I can't wait to see on Friday. How does the offensive line look? How big of an improvement is
0: it? It's the biggest position group this year, I think. I think if they are improved, Syracuse will be improved. And if they're still the same, then this might not be a bowl team again.
1: On paper, things look pretty good, folks, here on Orange Fizz Radio. We're taking you up to 10 o'clock on the Score 1260. When we come back, we'll take a closer look at that matchup with Western Michigan, and we'll tell you which players we'll be watching on Friday. Stay tuned. It's Fizz Radio on the Score 1260.
0: Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Tim Leonard and Jonathan Hoppe here with you until 10 a.m. Talking some Syracuse football ahead of this Western Michigan game on Week 1. Coming up on Friday, and we've talked about this a little bit. Western Michigan on paper, Syracuse is right around a 7-point favorite, 7.5. The spread's kind of waffled around there. This is a team that Syracuse should beat, but it's no Week 1 cakewalk, especially considering it's on the road in Kalamazoo.
1: Yeah, this is a good week one opponent. I mean, this is not the Colgate Raiders. Right. You know, that, that's not the case anymore. You know, we're not going into the Carrier Dome expecting an easy win, a fun opening week crowd. That's this Wagner. This a hostile environment. Yeah.
0: That's Wagner week two. Yeah, right, exactly.
1: I like this to start the season because it puts your team on the road, brings them together, and you face a program that, you know, Syracuse has better personnel than Western Absolutely. Michigan. But – Anything can happen in college football, especially in Week 1. This team has not played together in-game action. The nickel defense has not played in-game action. You can practice and scrimmage all you want, but you never know how long it's going to take to get adjusted. This is a dangerous game. I like Syracuse to win the game. Spoiler alert. I'm (laughs) sure you do too. But frankly, this is one where things could go wrong, and I could see them losing. You could see
0: them down at some point in this game. right? You definitely could. I mean,
1: I could see things starting slowly.
0: Yeah. And the nickel defense, I think, is what we're both watching for. Because we can talk about Western Michigan's personnel a little bit, and we'll get into that. They like to run the ball a lot, which maybe favors Syracuse's defense, given what we've seen in the past couple years since Dino Babers has arrived, knowing that the secondary has been more of a flaw. And when you look on paper this year, the defensive line is the most experienced group on the defense, bar none. It's it's no, it's no doubt in that department. It's the best
1: group. No, yeah,
0: doubt. no. And I, I think we're in agreement on that front. The question is, is this defense going to have any growing pains with switching to the nickel, which I think is a good move in the long haul. There will maybe be some growing pains, but when you look at the linebacking core as being kind of the weak spot, why not move to the nickel where you only have two linebackers? And then you put Antoine Cordy more in kind of a Playmaking role per se. I know he's one of your better secondary players. He hasn't played that much because of health issues, but he's an experienced guy that knows the system. You put him in that nickelback role and you let him roam a little bit more.
1: And what's fun about that is that Cordy's a big guy. We've talked about it on the show before, freak athlete, as they say. He's a guy that can sort of act as a linebacker when you need him to. You know, he's not some, you know, smaller defensive back like a scoop bradshaw i mean this is a bigger guy someone who can play the linebacker position if you will so it doesn't really scare me to line up at a 4 if western michigan is going to pound the ball Because Cordy can step up there, he can get involved with that offensive line with the tight ends, and he can make some stuff happen playing as sort of a linebacker.
0: Yeah, he's kind of your perfect nickelback if you're going to make... Like I think that's largely why they went to this defense, because they know they kind of have that guy. And now his health this season becomes even more important, because if you lose him at the nickelback position, you might have to adjust around. It'd be interesting to see if then they go back to the old defense, and that'll show how much... Value they're putting on Cordy and why they made that decision in the first place.
1: Well, good coaches adjust to their personnel. Yeah, and you see this linebacking group: Kylan Whitner, Ryan Guthrie, two people that you know. Frankly, the team's excited about. At least they say they are, and I'm excited too. Mm-hmm. Two people that know the organization. They've been with this team. They they know what it's like to practice. Haven't had much game experience. Whitner has four starts. Guthrie has none. But those two was pretty good
0: last year. He
1: had some pop. I mean, in a Pittsburgh game, I remember multiple plays where you know, you knew he was there. Yeah. So I don't have too many doubts, but you know, with this coaching change, Dino Babers saw that Cordy is the nickel. I mean, he's that guy, like you said. So why not change that defense? You know, take some pressure off a linebacking group that lost all three starters. Because think about it, you you know Tyre Franklin and Paris Bennett, we took for granted that 200 tackles last
0: year. Yeah, 200 tackles. Two guys that were in the NFL conversation and play. I mean, that's they're fighting two, for jobs right, right now. Two of the best ACC linebackers last year gone. So regardless, you're going to lose some experience for sure. Talent wise, they're still pretty strong. The good news, and I I know we've touched on this, but The defensive line looks as good as it has in Dino Babers' era. I know it's only three years, but I did a piece previewing the defensive tackles on OrangeFizz.net. We've been doing all these position previews, and you can go online there on OrangeFizz.net and find an in-depth look at all these positions we're discussing. But the defensive tackles, you've got Chris Slayton, who... I don't know if you've heard, but he can squat seven hundred pounds. That's hey, that's, so can I. It's not that. <laughs> that's kind of the the narrative that's <laughs> been pushed around this offseason. I
1: struggle with just the forty five pound plates on each
0: yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. Well, who Chris, likes
1: who likes squatting? Chris I mean,
0: Slayton is clearly stronger than the both of us combined, probably. But
1: <laughs> how about four times?
0: I, I I know not to go on a tangent, but when Stephen A. Smith came, which we could talk about that for. A couple minutes, but he it was interesting that he came, but he was joking around with Chris Slayton, like, I keep hearing that there's this guy on your roster that can squat 700 pounds. I want to meet this guy. So it's become kind of a thing. But Slayton is the anchor. He's the guy who joined Eric Dungey on ACC Media Day because they know he's going to be a backbone of that defense. And then Kendall Coleman and Robinson on the outside, they produced a lot of sacks last year. That's a lot of experience coming back on the line.
1: Alton Robinson can make some noise. Yeah. I mean, make no mistake. You remember this defensive line came into its own in the middle of last season where you saw the group and was like, Wow, team's right, pretty good. Right. You know, and then things fell off at the end of the year like they seem to always do. We'll see if that happens again this year. Can Syracuse get the win after the bye? Stay tuned. But <laughs> what I'm excited to see is how this group comes together because you talk about it all the time in the off season. How much do people improve? Scoop Bradshaw has shown flashes on the outside of being a pretty good corner. Yeah. Well, can he show that this year and be more consistent?
0: Right. Can Evan Foster up his game at the safety spot? I have all the confidence in the world in Frederick. It's Bradshaw that I'd be a little more worried about. That's the question
1: mark. And then at the safety spot, you know, Andre Sisco. How about the freshman? Right. You know, the freshman, what... What's he going to do? Is he ready? Everyone's raving about him, but how does he perform in Kalamazoo, his first ever college football game? So there are some question marks.
0: There are. So real quick, before we go to our next break, I want to get a prediction from you on the game. You don't have to say the exact score, but range of how much you think Syracuse wins or loses and if it's going to be high scoring, low scoring, a little bit of background on the game.
1: Well, you know what? People always say Vegas is pretty much all over it. And in this instance, I think they're pretty much all over it. I think it's going to be about a touchdown game. You know, realistically, if I had to go over under a seven point spread, I'd go under. I think it's probably going to be closer to like five, six points. You know, I think it's going to be relatively tight. I don't think it's going to be totally a blowout.
0: Yeah, I would say they win by 10 or 14 at the end of the day, but I think it could be like a tie game at halftime or thereabouts. And, Western Michigan likes to run the ball, and they're going to run the ball pretty effectively. The question mark becomes, how good is that secondary, and can they make them one-dimensional and force them to run the ball to be effective? Because you talk about Andre Sisco and some guys like that. This is a big moment for them, switching to that nickel. So it'll be interesting to see. Of course, we'll have coverage all throughout the week leading up to the game in more depth and then recapping the game That comes to you on Friday between Western Michigan and Week 1. We'll be right back, and we'll go more in-depth on the season as a whole and give our predictions record-wise and bowl game or bust, man. We'll talk about it. Jonathan Hoppy and Tim Leonard, you're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260.
1: Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Jonathan Hoppy and Tim Leonard with you, breaking down the Syracuse football season that's getting ready to begin. Syracuse and Western Michigan on Friday from Kalamazoo, the Orange opening up on the road this year. And, Tim, let's go ahead and break down this schedule. Everyone wants to know it. Does the team make a bowl game? Before we get to that, many people are saying it's bowl game
0: or bust. Do you feel that way about this squad? Um. Uh... Kind of. I mean, it's been a while. It's time. It, it's definitely, they're definitely due, to put it that way. And I it's hard to say because the tough part is, I think Syracuse is a lot better than teams that have made bowl games in the past couple years. And again, I think they might not make the bowl game and be better than some teams, but it's because they play in such a tough division it's, I always want to say this is the year they make the bowl game. Then I find myself go through the schedule like we're about to do and kind of pick apart each game. And I say, eh, it's kind of tough to get to six wins with that schedule when you factor in these road ACC games. And I know they picked off big-time wins over Clemson and Virginia Tech the past two years, and they were on pace to do so until Dungy went down, unfortunately. But it's it's a tough schedule, and that's why even with a team with some inexperience on in the secondary and some inexperience defensively, you can see why they might not get to six games again, even though they're much improved.
1: It's time, Tim Leonard. Yeah. It's time You're for this team bowl to bust. take the next step. I hate to say bust because I like where this program is going. I don't want to put that sort of ultimatum on a team, but I think this is the year that Syracuse needs to make a bowl game. You know, If they don't do it this year, I think you start to – you know, you start to question
0: a little bit the direction that this team is heading. Yeah, because the progression is on schedule, I'd say. It is. And it's building up. So now let's see the wins. The next checkpoint is get to a bowl game in year three. You can't wait until year four. I think everyone, if you had said, all right, Dino Babers is hired on the day he did his press conference, it'd be three years without a bowl game. A lot of Syracuse fans would have said, all right, maybe it's time to put him on the hot seat, so to speak. And I know it's tough to say that, and I'm not saying that necessarily because it all depended on Eric dungie's health. A lot of it was dependent on that in the first two years. And they are improving. And this could be the year where they get there. It just would make sense. That would fulfill the progression.
1: Well, our, our Harrison Singer came out and said, this is the year, bowl game or bust for Dino Babers. So he clearly thinks that it's time to shine for Dino yeah. Babers.
0: I mean, he was saying year three is when a lot of college football coaches are under the spotlight, and that's kind of their make-or-break year. And that's there's a lot of truth to that. This is going to be, if Dino gets them to a bowl game, six, seven wins this year, maybe by some long shot he gets them eight wins, then they are on the rise, and he's here for a while, I'd say. All
1: right, folks, it's time to play everyone's favorite game. We're going to guess the record for the Syracuse football team in the 2018 season, even as we sit here on this beautiful Saturday morning. It's really tough to say. No one does this. No. Do you think the players do this? I know people talk about it.
0: I I, I bet they do. I mean, they look at the schedule. They just want to see
1: what's in store.
0: Right. And they look at it and say, okay, a couple road games here, that's going to be tough. Or, oh, yeah, we're going to Yankee Stadium on that day. That's going to be kind of a tough game. But they they don't do it to the degree that we're doing it. I think they just go out and play football. All
1: right, folks, play along with us at home. Syracuse's path to a bowl game starts in Kalamazoo at Western Michigan. That's coming up in six days. We've been talking about the game, and Vegas thinks Syracuse wins by about a touchdown. I've got it somewhere around there, and you think
0: maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I think 10 or 14, and, and it might be a little scary at half, but they do win. I, I think we're going to give them a W on that one.
1: Okay, and when we do this, let's sort of say game they need to have, game they want game to have. This is a game they kind of
0: need to have.
1: Or game they'd like to have. Need, want, and like. I mean— you if need they, this one.
0: If they lose this game, it's very deflating. There's a lot of buzz around this team, and people are getting excited. And it's not an easy win. Don't get me wrong. And it wouldn't necessarily mean all right, no bowl game if they lose this game. But this is one you're kind of already circling as a win, and it puts you behind the eight ball for sure.
1: Okay, so a game they need to have at Western Michigan. Follow that up with the home opener in the Carrier Dome on September 8th versus Wagner. Yeah, that's a game they need to have. Too. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'd say so. I think that's the game where we see Tommy DeVito get his first Syracuse touchdown or something like that. That's they the biggest
1: question. Does DeVito come in the game?
0: I think he will at some point, maybe early third, early fourth quarter or late third quarter or something like that. I think they run away with that game. That'll be like the Colgate game last year or something like that.
1: The golden boy Tommy DeVito makes his debut against Wagner, huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm looking that's forward to it. my prediction. All right. A game they'd like to have is Florida State. At home, September fifth, twelve o'clock start, but I don't think they're going to get it.
0: No, I think we're both going to give them a loss here. The question is, what degree of chance do you give them? One to ten? Is it, you know, a I'd three say it's or a a six two? or
1: seven? I mean, really? I-, I think Syracuse has played well against good teams. They in the have. Past.
0: They played up to their competition several times. I mean, you look at the schedule last year when they had Dungey; they were within three or four points. At Tallahassee, down in Miami. I mean, they were within one possession at LSU. Big time programs. At home, I don't think Syracuse
1: should ever be from that one to 10 scale anywhere below a five. Yeah. They've proven to face these teams in the carrier dome pretty well. Right. Now, going down to Clemson, which we'll get to in a minute, you know, that's probably going to be a pretty low number. But at home against a team that, you know, is experiencing a coaching change with Willie Taggart, got a lot of talent, no doubt about that but i think this is a game that you could really do something nice.
0: Yeah, i mean that's the game where it's kind of the litmus test game. I guess Western Michigan You need is, a close game there. We're, yeah, we're going to find out some stuff about Western Michigan but in that Western Michigan game but this Florida State game. You win that game, Dino Babers and Syracuse have arrived. They're 3 and 0, they're flirting with top 25. Yeah, and they, and they could go to 4 and 0. Top bro- 25. If they go three and zero, they're they're around the polls, man. That's interesting over Florida State. Not that it's a hot take, but that's
1: just kind of fun to think. Yeah, about. Yeah, no,
0: we were talking about it a little bit last year. Remember when they after they beat Clemson and they were going to Miami? Oh, the
1: ups and downs of
0: the yes. twenty seventeen season. Yeah, after that Clemson game, we made some some takes we'd probably regret. The <laughs> right uh, you know
1: after the Clemson game, you're up on Mount Everest, right? And then after the Wake Forest game, you are somewhere. Digging. that's sports in general though i guess <laughs> <laughs> that's what's fun about it and, and right it's just part of the ride next up is yukon and that's got to be a win too
0: yeah Yukon's not going to be anything special no i think western year.
1: michigan's a tougher game than yukon uh especially considering it's at home you right. know you think about hey syracuse won a road game at yukon a couple of years yeah ago. they fared
0: well against that's UConn. a rarity yeah <laughs> that was a rarity that's one I, of, I think what, that's two a win. road wins yeah it's it's been Four tough or on three? the road
1: all right, then so now, all right, we both got the team at three and one. Yeah. They've got three games really in their first four that they need to have.
0: One yeah, they'd like you to go, have in Florida State. If you go two and two, you're kind of it's an uphill climb from there. You gotta go three and one, I think. And whether you get that by beating Florida State or whatever, I mean three and one is the barometer after four weeks that they have to hit, I think.
1: Next up, a trip to Death Valley, the Clemson Tigers at the end of September. That's going to be a crazy game, and I don't think that anybody is going to give Syracuse a chance to win. Now, before we write them off, everyone did the same thing last year. I know it's on the road. They maybe have a small chance, one to ten, I'd say two and a half. I mean, two? I I don't think it's very likely at
0: all. The question is, which quarterback will Clemson be playing in that game? I know that's kind of a sidebar, but of course, Kelly Bryan is probably going to be their week one starter, but... It's hard to say whether, you know, there's a lot of speculation, and there's a lot of quarterback competitions all over America right now amongst the top teams, but Clemson is one of them. That could be a factor. I think there's no chance they win that game, and it could get ugly. Hopefully it's not as ugly as the last time they went down to Death Valley. We remember talking about that game beforehand, and people were starting to talk themselves into Syracuse, giving them a chance, and I remember you were always a firm believer they were going to get smoked in that game, and you (laughs) proved to be much more correct than I was. Well,
1: (laughs) sometimes you just have a feeling. Yeah. So here's the tricky part of the schedule at Pittsburgh versus North Carolina versus NC state at wake Forest. So let's take it one game at a time. We've both got the orange sitting at three and two. It's been pretty much chalk up to this point. Here's where it gets interesting at Pittsburgh, October 6th, as much as I want to pick Syracuse in this game, I think it's going to be tough. Yeah. I think the difference is it's on the road at Heinz Field. This is a game I've got Pittsburgh winning. You're looking at three and
0: three six games in. It's so tough because if it's at home, I'm almost as as confident as I am to pick them over UConn or something like that. And maybe a little less confident because Pittsburgh's going to yeah, be a better team. Maybe a little bit now. Yeah.
1: Pittsburgh, I'm high on Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, I might be totally wrong about this, but they've got Kenny Pickett as their quarterback. He was taken over at the end of last year. They beat Miami, ruined the perfect season. Darren Hall is a really solid running back, and Pat Narduzzi, pretty good football coach. So I think Pittsburgh, in a game like this that's sort of been a toss-up in recent years, I think the advantage goes to the home team. I think Pittsburgh gets it done, but this is one of those games, Tim, when you look at it, you got to think, all right, if they want to firmly put themselves in a bowl situation— it's one they might want to take home because things you, could you go You've got to snag
0: a road game, and maybe it's Wake Forest on November 3rd. We'll talk about it. Maybe Boston College at the end of the year. You've got to snag at least one road game, and this is a good chance. So do you think they do it? No, I think that's a loss, All right, three
1: and 3-3. Three. North Carolina comes to town on August 20th. I think that's a win. I think that gets them back to 4-3. and three.
0: Yeah, and I think the big thing there is it's after the bye, which has been kind of a problem for Dino you know, Babers and company. They're— whatever, 0-8, 0 for whatever, after the bye in the past two years, and we've talked about that. But I think that benefits them. Middle of the season, you get a little breather, and then you come out of maybe a loss at Pittsburgh and bounce back with a win at home.
1: So now you look at NC State. That's a tough team, and Ryan Finley's really good quarterback. NC State's going to be good. They've lost some pieces, but NC State is one of the best teams in the ACC this year. Don't really see how you could upset them. It is family weekend, and we know what happened on (laughs) family weekend last year. It is at home, but I think the Wolfpack get it done.
0: Yeah, I just think Ryan Finley is too good of a quarterback against that Syracuse secondary. He's going to pick them apart a little bit. It'll be a high-scoring game and maybe back and forth, and we know the Syracuse offense can put up points, but NC State will win that. Can't believe we're on the same page here. Four and
1: four at Wake Forest. I think we might separate here. I've got a loss.
0: Really? Yes. I've got a win there. I think they bounce back after losing in that mud bowl or whatever you want to call it right after the hurricane two years ago at Wake Forest. Wake is a team that they've struggled to beat and they're due for a win against. Obviously, last year was a terrible loss at home at the end of the season without Dungy. Hopefully, they have Dungy for this game on November 3rd. And I think that's the road game they pick up.
1: Okay, so now I'm saying four and five. You're saying five and four. Moving to Louisville, I think that's a win. Chalk it up as a win on Friday night, November 9th. For some reason, I'm not as high on Bobby Petrino's team this year. Juwan Pass seems to be a replacement for Lamar Jackson. You're not going to totally replace a Heisman winner. I just don't see this team being that good. I know they've got the receivers. I know they've got that kind of thing going, but I think that's a win.
0: ESPN 2, kind of a primetime game. This would be, for my hypothetical schedule, to lock up a bowl game. I'm going to say loss. I just think Louisville has more, they have stronger personnel. I know they don't have Lamar Jackson, but they've got tons of speed, and they will pick apart the defense a little bit more than people are expecting, I'd say.
1: Okay, so we sit at 5-5, five and five, two games to go. We're coming up on a break, but let's go ahead and get this in. It comes down to Notre Dame and Boston College, two games that technically on the road to speak as you've got Yankee Stadium for the Notre Dame game. That's going to be a top 25 football team, most likely, preseason for sure. I'd say that's a loss, and then it all comes down to Boston College, and that would be an intriguing game. So as you can see, no matter how you look at it, it's going to be tough to get to six
0: wins. So you're saying if they beat BC, that would be five? No, we're both at five wins right now because you had them over Louisville. Yes. So... I think they do beat BC and get to that. I mean, in 2013 is the last time they got to a bowl game. They beat BC on kind of a last-second field goal. I could see something like that happening again, sort of an emotional moment to end the season and kind of climb that mountain finally and, and get back to that first bowl game since they topped BC.
1: I think that's going to happen, too. I think it's going to be 6-6. Six and six. But as you can see, there's basically no room for error. Thanks for playing along. If you'd like to tweet at us what you have as your projected record, do so on Twitter at OrangeFizz, and we'd love to get back to you and sort of get that conversation going. Speaking of social media, Fizz feedback right around the corner on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260.
0: Wrapping things up on Fizz Radio, Tim Leonard and Jonathan Hoppy. it's time for Fizz Feedback. We we put out some polls on Twitter, you of Fizz Nation chimed in, and now we're going to go through and, and talk about our take on the matter. Let's start out with our first poll we put out, which is related to the Western Michigan game coming up on Friday. The question is, how confident are you feeling about Syracuse's chances heading into that game A is should be an easy win, B, a win but a close one, C, it could go either way, and D is nervous, think they lose, 44%, fittingly 44%. Would you look at that? Yep, that's a win but a close one. So people kind of agree with us. They think it's going to be close. Only 6% say nervous, think they lose, 23% could go either way, and 27% say it should be an easy blowout win.
1: You know what? Now I'm sold. Syracuse wins because... It is going to be a close game, and 44% of fans realized that. Really quickly, did you hear about that Chiefs game? It was Syracuse Athletics night. Pitcher came in, had fours all over his stat line. (laughs) I did hear about that. Chiefs drilled it. Comeback win, (laughs) 7-3.
0: Yeah, maybe that joke connected with one person who uh, remembered or knew about that. Hopefully a couple more. But second, this feedback question, what area concerns you the most in terms of positional groups heading into the season? A, young wide receivers, that got 22% of the vote. Linebackers, leading the way with 55% of the vote. Secondary, 17%, and the running game, just 6%. I'm Uh, not worried about the wide receivers. I think Dino's offensive system... They know what they're doing. Yeah, it enhances wide receivers. I don't think Ombad or Steve Ishmael, he was kind of a talent, Ishmael, but Attao became... A finalist just in the system. I know he was a good player, don't get me wrong, but I think Jamal Custis could have a breakout year. So I would deal with linebackers as well.
1: Yeah, I would. I think twenty two percent on young wide receivers is way too high. Yeah. I I'm think secondary in that for sure. I think secondary, even the running game. I You're think right. wide receivers is what I'm least worried about. Linebackers certainly just because we don't know, Chris Layton is confident in his guys. Of course he is, he's his teammate. So until we see what these guys have I'm a
0: little bit concerned. I mean, it's been yeah. hyped up,
1: but rightfully so, honestly.
0: All right, last question. Which freshman has the best chance to make an impact this year? 60% for Trill Williams. Ed Hendricks gets 19%, a wide out. And Andre Cisco, who's going to be one of the starting free safeties, at least according to the depth chart right now, only 21%. I'd say it's Cisco because he's guaranteed to be a starter, you'd think, Going into week one, Trill Williams is going to have to earn his playing time a little bit more.
1: Well, I guess what that means is people aren't that confident in someone like Scoop Bradshaw. Yeah. Because Andre Cisco is firmly in the starting lineup. And now, how'd you phrase the question? You said, best opportunity.
0: Best chance to make an impact, yeah. So, I'd say there's a pretty good chance
1: at Cisco because right. he's starting right now. So yeah. if you want to get you know too into it, we know about Trill Williams and he's the flashy guy. There's all the videos out there, but Andre Cisco is smart. He's aggressive. Just what Syracuse needs at the safety spot. Players and coaches have been raving about him all off season. He's the guy to me that's got the best chance right now to come up and make an impact because he's in the starting 22.
0: Drew Williams kind of has some flashiness to his game, and, and I know fans may have heard of him a little bit more, and he can play all over the field. We might see him play some offense in his Syracuse career. He's going to be around for a while, but I think in terms of this year, Andre Sisco, I agree with you, would be way more than 21% I thought he'd get. So that'll do it for Fizz Radio. Tim Leonard and Jonathan Hoppy, thank you for joining us. We'll be back again, same time, 9 a.m. next week, and we'll have recap on Syracuse's Friday Imagine matchup. That with Western Michigan. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend, Fizz Nation.